Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast created to enlighten, inspire, and inform those who work in or depend on the world's most important endeavor, agriculture. Here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Business of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Damian Mason. Got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about aquaculture. That's right, aquaculture. And we've got a real live shrimp farmer joining us. But before we get into that, I want you to know that the Business of Agriculture podcast, now available on audio wherever you get your podcast from, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, or go to DamianMason.com, also is now available on video. That's right. We're recording these on video so you can watch them share them with your friends go to youtube type in damian mason there's a playlist for the business of agriculture and my other podcast the do business better podcast so uh, video and audio for your enjoyment while you're on youtube please subscribe the business of agriculture is proud to announce our newest sponsor and that is harvest profit that's right harvest profit a software solution for managing the number side of your enterprise if your farming operation or any farming operation you work with no deal with uh, or related to could use some help could benefit from uh, and we know they could by implementing a software product that will give them more visibility into the number side of their farm please sign up or encourage them to sign up for a 14-day free trial at harvestprofit.com. That's right, harvestprofit.com. Great people, Nick Horeb up there in Fargo. Doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter where they are because they're all over the world, harvestprofit.com. Okay, let's talk about the business of agriculture as it relates to aquaculture. I know a little bit about this because last year I worked with the shrimp import industry, but those people don't work here production in North America. So in North America, we do produce shrimp. You probably eat shrimp. You probably think, hey man, it's, it's a good thing to go and eat shrimp. I like it with cocktail sauce. I like it with a beer. I like it fried and breaded. However you like your shrimp, good for you. Almost none of it is wild caught. Only like four or 5% of it is my understanding is wild caught. Almost all of it is farm raised and almost none of it is farm raised here in the United States of America. But I've got a shrimp farmer. She's from Indiana. Her name is Carlena Brown. Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, Carlena, shrimp farmer. Thank you. Okay, let's start at the beginning. I gave some rough numbers and we're gonna get into that more because you know them. I was a consultant to the shrimp people on some marketing stuff, so I did my homework last year. The average American uh, eats about four pounds of shrimp per year. Uh, that puts it in the very highest of seafood because seafood and fish is about 16 pounds of American uh, consumption per year. So you're in the hot you're in the, you're in the hot spot there for of, of all the things versus bluegill <laughs> versus uh, or, or versus Pacific whitefish. So shrimp is the delicacy and shrimp is the biggest consumption uh, category within the 16 pounds of seafood. However. Almost none of it is raised here. They're raising it in Ecuador, Indonesia, India, Vietnam, China. Those are the big countries that produce shrimp. And you said, I'm here in Indiana. I want to grow shrimp. So give it to me from the beginning. What the heck happened? Actually, the shrimp is my husband's deal. Um, I married a hog farmer, and I've been off the farm for 30 years due to different things that have happened throughout 
my life as a farmer. So I'm not allowed to touch anything on the farm. So I've been avoid of it. But we raised hogs. And when we were living, they were literally subdividing all the way around us. So we would have been a 5,000 head of hogs in the middle of a subdivision. Not the most like neighbor. So we moved to the middle of nowhere here in Fowler. We bought a lot of land so that we could put up another hog operation. We moved up in 91, 92 when the prices bottomed out on the hogs. So the, the family didn't want to go into the hog business. Uh, they looked at tilapia, thought it was easy, but they spent 15 years researching raising tilapia because everybody wants a million to two million of your dollars, but nobody would ever let us see if they were actually raising fish. Well, before I invest that kind of money, I want to make sure somebody's actually doing something. Well, my husband came across um, some gentleman that was supposedly raising tilapia, but he just developed the shrimp system. It was a whole lot cheaper. Daryl's family just wanted livestock on the farm, and so we went for the shrimp. We thought when we started this, there were hundreds of these across the U.S. I had no idea that all of our shrimp we were eating was actually imported at that time. So we decided to go forward with it. I wasn't gonna have anything to do with this. This was him and his dad's thing. We broke ground for the first building. Three months later, his dad passed away. So I told him I would continue helping him with it. I really had no intentions, but if he needed my help, I would come out. But he came in, um, before we got any shrimp, he spent five hours testing for one tank. Now we farmed 2,000 acres. He had his own construction company. And we also had 14 annual perennial greenhouses at that time. Well, 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 you're talking really fast. So wait a minute, let's just get back here. First off, <laughs> what year? All right, I'll get, everybody gets hog farming, we get that. Now I'm gonna guess that some of this started changing in the 90s because in the 90s, that was like the stock market crash of 1929 for hogs. I, mm -hmm. I had friends and family that were in the hog business. Hogs went to like seven cents a pound, not just for a day, not just for a week, but for like two years. You couldn't even transport the pig to slaughter for the price you were getting, let alone raise it from a piglet up to butcher weight. 90s is when you were in the hog business, right? Correct. And you were and you were working off the farm. This was your husband and his father, and they were grain farmers and hog farmers. Am I right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you you owned part of the property and you said, we can keep expanding our hog operation and, and keeping this all going. So you had farmland, you and he, and then you had your job. What year was it then you start looking into this whole thing about fish? 92. Okay. When the, we figured that we couldn't raise pigs. They wanted livestock, but they thought that within a year they would have a tilapia farm, but it took them a lot longer to get to it. And so, like I said, 15 years later, we got our first shrimp. So that so, the, so it was 2007 when you decided to hop into the shrimp business? Yep. And the <laughs> hogs pretty well got what you get washed. Did you get washed out of the hog racket in the late 90s like everybody else? Yep. How about the financial burn? Were you guys crushed upside we down? We were lucky because, like I said, we moved um, to, to Fowler in 91, and 92 was when it bottomed out. We had just started building the new building. So we hadn't gone any further than a partial building when everything just started bottom out on it. So you so. were just, just, a, just this whole thing about better be lucky than good. It wasn't because you didn't want to be completely picked up. It's just that you were between operations and you were, a, you weren't picked up yet. You were building to be picked up and then the whole proverbial crap hits a fan. All right. So there it is. And uh, then what? 
Then um, my husband, like I said, he started to do the shrimp. Uh, we had a company, a consultant that was going to help us out. But he came in and it spent, he took five hours to test one production tank. Excuse me. When we started, we had six production tanks and two nursery tanks. Well, if it takes him five hours to test one tank on top of farming 2,000 acres, an annual perennial greenhouse, and then he owned his own construction company, <laughs> nothing was ever going to get done. So I told him I would come out and help him. I was going to teach him how to um, multitask everything here in the shrimp farm. That was on day two, and I'm here almost 10 years later. Missed three days of work. Okay, so the, the, you were always, always the grain farmer. Uh, a construction business on the side. This is, you guys are some working people. Um, and then the perennial greenhouses, how long had that been going on? Um, they had the perennial greenhouses from the first year they moved up here. Um, that was something, that was the one main business that him and his dad got to do together. The farming was his dad's and then it was his business. It wasn't a family business. They each farmed. Um, they helped each other out, but they each had, we had our own property. They had their own property. We had our own homes. They had their own homes. Um, it wasn't like a family thing, I guess, you know, everybody commingled right. there. Yeah. You were, you were, you were, you were certainly friendly, whatever, but you had your own machinery, you had your own operation. Yeah. And so, uh, the dis decision, you've been looking at tilapia, looking at tilapia, looking at tilapia, and then said, we don't think the tilapia thing is the way to go. We're going to go shrimp. You went and looked at a shrimp farm where? It was actually outside of Crawfordsville. He You're had, in Indiana, uh, not within yeah, four or fifty. Indiana, yeah. Within he four or fifty miles of where you are located. Yeah, about fifty miles. And but the guy had also developed a tilapia system, and that's what they went down to see was this tilapia system. But he also had this shrimp system, and like I said, it was only five hundred thousand dollars versus a million dollars, and for the family, it was the cost. That's the only reason why we got into it. It really was just the cost. And that was what year again? We started shrimp, um, when we got into it to start the building was 2008, seven, the end of seven, 2008. All right. So, you know, you'd been without livestock for a while during that time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had been out of the pigs. So at that point it was grain farm and greenhouse and, uh, and then decided, no, there's another option here. We're going to go back into animals because the last animal you had 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 been what, 10 years before that. Correct. Okay. Did that building that you started, did it just get demolished or did it just sit there half finished for a decade? Actually, we put greenhouses over it and we used ah. part of it as a, as a um, storage shed. Okay. So then you, you saw this operation said, hey, half a million dollars to get in, which by the way, non-ag people, isn't it something, Carlena? If you're talking to like my, you know, I, I have a winter place here in Arizona. So I'm in my Arizona place as we record this. Uh, these people out here think that they're rich because they have a nice house. And you're like, yeah, well, I know people that farm, have greenhouses, and live in the middle of nowhere, but you know what? They just threw a half million dollars at a shrimp business. Huh? I mean, the numbers, you you did that because it wasn't $1.2 to get into the tilapia. It was a cheaper cost of entry and still half a million dollars. Yeah, that's true. And that, like I said, it was cheaper than a million dollars, and so that's why we went forward. Okay, so you built up the building and then you how does one because here's the thing if i 
if I want to just start milking cows, which of course I wouldn't because I did it as a kid. And I also know that uh, dairy is a lot of work. And also you got to have tremendous capital scale. But if I wanted to get into dairy, I would have a pretty good handle on how to do it. I've got connections. I have the history. Uh, how does one go into something like shrimp? Because hell, I don't know how to raise a shrimp. I know how to raise a Holstein calf pretty well. I don't know how to raise a shrimp. Go I didn't either. My degree's in fashion. I planned on being a fashion designer in New York City. That was you my realize that You realize, Carlina, as you just said that, I'm looking at you and you're sitting in a barn with a flannel shirt on. <laughs> I know. That was because I had to move oysters around today, so I'm pretty crappy today. That's why I said I wish I could have cleaned up a little bit more. So. But no, I planned on being a fashion designer. That was my whole goal from the time I was 12 years old until I got married and married a hog farmer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, my whole life took a whole different turn, which I'm okay with it. I totally am. But for me, um, and like I said, we hired a consultant, but when we got into this, we found out six weeks in, our consultant never raised a shrimp in his life. He cost us a million shrimp our first year and nearly a million our second year. Wait, who did this? Our consultant, because we were relying on their know-how. And at okay. the time, there was no information about raising shrimp indoors none and the system that we actually use everybody in the industry said it wouldn't work everybody everybody we talked to said we were wasting our money throwing it away it was not going to work but i'm a stubborn person and i'm going to be the one that's going to figure something out and that's exactly what i did i stopped listening to what all the experts were telling us and did what the shrimp wanted that is a very good statement right there. I, I can tell you that uh, I, I heard a dairy, dairy consultant who actually is successful and does a good job with it say, I look at everything from the cow's perspective. If I'm doing right by the cow, I'm doing right by the business. If I'm doing right by the cow, I'm doing right by the dairy farm. You know, it's the same thing. So here's the thing. You're paying some bozo because you don't know anything about growing shrimp and he allegedly is an expert and he comes in there and whacks your production. So now you're not only half a million dollars in, you didn't get any revenue because you just killed your shrimp. Yeah, he did. He lost us a lot of shrimp in the process and it just, it was a lot of trial and error. And there were a lot of mistakes that we made that actually turned out being the correct thing to do. Cause we also raise our shrimp in what's called a heterotrophic bacteria based water. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa. Heterotrophic. Heterotrophic, which just means it's a bacteria-based water. Um, we're basing it off the ocean. That's all we're doing. And we're using the same type of bacteria and probiotics that the ocean uses to clean herself up. So all it actually does is it converts ammonia to nitrites, nitrites to nitrates. Shrimp can survive in nitrates. They cannot survive in ammonia and nitrites. So my bacteria converts it. One of the things that we found is that by us keeping it, my water is actually almost 10 years old. If you can imagine keeping a fish tank for 10 years, right? the same water, we don't discharge anything. Because it took us two years to build up that bacteria. So why do I want to discharge it if it takes that long to build it up? And we do raise saltwater shrimp, so we do have to manufacture saltwater. But now that it's been established, we don't add salt to our tanks even. Okay, so it was a matter of getting the shrimp uh, water conditions right, and then you stopped losing the shrimp. I want to hear more about the production, 
Before we do, I want to remind our listeners and our viewers, again, you can check us out on YouTube on the playlist, Business of Agriculture. Also, wherever you get your audio podcast from, please subscribe. Uh, by you subscribing, it'll help our visibility, and then more people will find the Business of Agriculture and hear the message, which needs to be heard. Business of Agriculture is brought to you by my friends over at Harvest Profit, Nick Horeb. He's actually been a guest on this podcast. Smart guy. Started a company years ago because he said, I think I can do a better job. I can come up with a solution for farmers. Right now, he has 600, I had to look down here, over 600 customers in 26 states and four provinces. When he set out to create Harvest Profit, what he wanted was a solution for farmers to enable more confident, proactive, and ultimately more profitable decision-making. Harvest Profit offers software for cost and profit analysis, grain marketing, grain inventory, and more. Farming is a manufacturing business. As my guest, Carlena, right now would tell you, you're in the business of manufacturing shrimp. Farmers that deal with harvest profit are in the business of manufacturing crops, row crops, uh, cereal crops, whatever. You need a good software system. So that's what harvest profit does. That's their sole focus is helping farmers be more profitable, manage their inventory, look at their numbers. It's a software solution for you. They have a 14-day free trial. Check them out at harvestprofit.com. Okay, Carlena, you, uh, you're you cast into this thing. You're figuring out how to grow shrimp. You lost your first several batches. You got the bozo kicked out of there. You're your consultant, and you said, we think we can do better. What was the thing? You just said it was fixing the water. It was uh, It was what? It was learning about the water itself and then fixing uh, what everybody said to do with it. Um, we also changed our system over. In 2013, my husband, I gave him the idea. He had to design it for me. We run on air only. Um, our system runs on air only. We don't have pumps and we don't have filters. Um, the water, we take care of the water. As long as we maintain the water, the shrimp do just fine. So what are you saying? Like normally if I think of going into some big building, there'd be pumps moving water around, running it through filters. That way it'd be like a big giant aquarium. And you're saying you don't do that. We don't do that at all. We actually use swimming pools also just to cut down the cost of the tanks. Um, we get about three to four years out of each one of our tanks. So no point in investing a lot of money in them. So what's a swim? I mean, you just like go to, go to Walmart and buy an above ground swimming pool? Exactly. <laughs> That's in a barn. <laughs> and they're in a barn. Yeah, our barns are very well insulated because um, we do get cold here in Indiana. So we do have to maintain temperature in their tanks. We heat directly inside their tanks using radiant heat or PEX piping like you would a bathroom floor. We do the same thing to heat their tanks. But our whole job is maintaining water. That's what we call it. We're not even shrimp farmers. We call ourselves guardians of water that's all we do every day is we test for different things inside their tanks to make sure everything is fine because shrimp are divas they don't like change okay what about temperature what does the water so you're keeping the barn like at 60 and then you heat the water to 80 or what's the right temperature our barn is actually running about 80 to 84 degrees their water is about 86 to 88 degrees Okay, so you're in there working, even in January in Indiana, you're in there with shirt sleeves on because it's hot in those buildings. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how many shrimp right now are being farmed at RD, is it RDM, R, RDM Aquaculture? Oh, shoot. I have 19 production tanks, but I run in various sizes. Um, we have 14-footers, 16-footers, and 12-footers, and each one of them is a little bit different in stocking density. I need to do the math on this one of these days. 
Um, I would say we have close to probably 600,000 or so. I get 100,000 in every 25 days. You bring in 100,000 shrimp every 25 days. From and, the and, and how big are these things you're bringing in? They're about the size of your eyelash. They're only 10 days old when we bring them in. They're so tiny and they're so clear and translucent. The only thing we can see on them are their bellies, and that's because they have food in it. Otherwise, we couldn't see them at all. Where are they coming from? We get them from either a hatchery in Florida or Texas. We alternate between them. Alternate because you want to change up the genetics, or you think you might have a disease problem, or what? Well, that and to guarantee that we can get them, because sometimes a hatchery might have a problem, and then they can't ship them to us. And we've got to have ours every 25 days. We're on that tight of a rotation. So literally, it's the old thing about eggs in one basket. You just keep buying, alternating from one hatchery to another because you just want to not have all your eggs in one basket. They come in at the size of an eyelash, for crying out loud. You can barely see it. So you're bringing in 100,000, and you do that every 25 days. Is it How long does it take then? That, that goes in the bottom, and then at the top, uh, you're bringing out full-grown ones. How long does it take? 150 days. Do so you take something the size of an eyelash to then something that uh, Americans are going to put on their dinner table and eat in 150 days? Okay, next question. Less than five months, really. About five months. How big are they, Carlena, at the end of five months? Roughly, they weigh anywhere from um, 18 grams to about 22 grams in weight, or what we call 20 shrimp to the pound. Okay. So... That's about the, that's, that's like your, ba I mean, that's not the big giant it's prawns big ones, no. mm -hmm. and okay. Different kinds of shrimp, tiger shrimp, uh, blue shrimp. I don't know. Purple shrimp. I'm colorblind. Anyhow, what do you got? What are your shrimps? We raise what's called the uh, Pacific whites. They're the most common shrimp that most people eat, but you don't want these guys too large. If they get too large, the meat becomes tough on them. And so you don't want to eat them. Kind of like an old bull. All right. You don't want, you don't want exactly. that. All right. Uh, then you figured out production. <laughs> now, I would probably say this is one thing about business. The old thing that I, I put it in my book, Do Business Better, uh, which I say you should remember let's not just get really uh, good at what you're good at making, let's get good at what you can sell. You figured out the water, you figured out the shrimp, and after 150 days, you got shrimps. Where do you go with them? We actually sell 99% of ours are sold out our front door for retail sales. Um, I average about 700 pounds per month retail sales out our front door. People will drive on average two hours to come and get our product. Now, they don't take a large quantity. They always come for like two or three pounds. That's it. And the thing is, the they're coming from the long distance because, okay, first off, that's great. You're, you're selling direct to consumer, which is a, a great way to keep value on your side. Uh, I've been on your website. You have a great website. There's a lot of farms that uh, are good at making stuff. They're not real good at marketing stuff. Not being mean, just saying that's what we are. We A lot of times we're factory factory versus marketing. You know, We're production, production. You uh, have a good website. Uh, you involve yourself in the Indiana Farm Bureau. You have... You don't live next to population. I mean, you're not like next to Indianapolis, the biggest city in the state of Indiana, and you're like an hour and 20 minutes, hour and 10 minutes away from there. You're two hours away from Chicago suburbs at best. So it's not like you've got uh, millions of people right next door. People come to buy your shrimp. Tell me about that. 
They do. They either have know somebody that's tried our product. Um, we, from time to time, our other part of our business, we do do wholesale. We will be in some restaurants, but because people do drive two hours to get to our farm, we have to make sure I have shrimp here available for them. So the restaurants get it on a limited basis and they also know that they're only going to get it on a limited basis. And the restaurants we mostly deal with are in Chicago. Okay. So the restaurants, did you court them or they heard about you? They heard about me and a lot of them, they just have like a big event and they want to just try the product. And one of the events that we did, this is actually how we got into one of the restaurants there. Um, they had a big event. We, they get the shrimp three hours within three hours of us harvesting it. So, I mean, they're getting a very fresh product, but we didn't put enough ice on the shrimp when we hauled it to Chicago. And when the sous chef was opening it, three of the shrimp were still alive. They jumped out of the package and the sous chef fainted, but the chef happened to see the whole incident. He says he's never had anything fresher in his kitchen. He waited two years before we were able to put him on the menu before we could supply him. A continuous rotation of shrimp. So, so that's fantastic. The, the, the point is, everybody thinks it's neat. Oh, farm to table. I want a shrimp. People come to my farm in the springtime. We go out and catch bluegill. And then we get done with the bluegill catching. They're in a five-gallon bucket. On the back of the tailgate of the truck, I get myself a beer, and I fillet those bluegill, and I run and I fry them. And people say, you can't get any fresher. I said, you can't. Uh, I said, this is as good as it gets. So that guy saw uh, shrimp coming straight in that so fat, so much so that three of them were still alive. And then boom, uh, he says, I want to be a customer. Well, the thing is, you got all your independent customers. You're just, you know, people off the street. And then you got some restaurants. The obvious farmer answer is we need to produce more. How's that working? We do need to produce more. Um, but my problem is we're limited on space right now. Um, about three years ago, almost four years ago, we added 12 more tanks thinking that would help us. We're in the process of adding 24 more production tanks, but I need the five acres of farmland to take away from my husband. And he's not one willing to give up farmland. Right. And so because right now, but he's under contract for something he has to plant. It's under a government thing. So this is the last year. And I said, you rep renew for that. I said, you're going to be in world of hurt. So then I'll be able to take that five acres that I want and we'll okay. be putting up new buildings. Okay. Here's you, you're the shrimp farmer. I can give you some of the knowledge I have from being, uh, working with the shrimp industry. They told me that globally, globally, uh, the other countries are going to bump production by as much as 20% in the next couple of years. That's Does true. that concern you? No, not at all. Because actually we've worked with several countries um, as far as helping them set up shrimp farms as well or teaching them what we do here. So no, it doesn't bother me in the least because mine's still technically a niche market, but um, we are still planning on selling as fresh as possible, a non-frozen product per se. So your advantage, your unique business uh, value proposition is that you won't get any fresher. Uh, I can probably get it cheaper, frozen, coming from Indonesia. I can get bags of it from Vietnam, Ecuador, India. Like I told you, the countries that I learned are big. I think Peru might even be in there. Uh, those countries, 
uh, probably are cheaper. They don't have uh, labor costs. They don't have as many environmental regulations, et cetera. So what do you pitch? You pitch fresh, you pitch local, you pitch uh, more, more clean, more environmentally friendly. They are clean, yeah, because they actually, well, for starters, none of them have antibiotics. Ours have no antibiotics or hormones in it. There's none in our feed. Um, working with a lot of these other countries, when they're raising them outdoors, they they more than likely are going to have antibiotics in their food yep. because they are outdoors. They're exposed to a lot of different things, just like you know any form of animals that can be exposed to anything, they're going to get sick. Yeah. So mine aren't exposed to anything other than their own water. Do you do you can you call them organic? No, uh, we can't call them organic because part of our food has fish meal in it, and I cannot guarantee you what the fish ate. And the bacteria in our water cannot be classified. Do your customers, I'm guessing, you know, I, I'm a guy that does freezer beef and has a hobby beef operation, or I did have, I haven't, I haven't raised them for the last year. Um, I, I never had a problem with it because I said, hey, they're natural. Uh, I've never shot them with antibiotics and I've never shot them with growth hormones. I said, just for the record, I'm not against either of those practices. It's just that I haven't. And I said, if I get one of these steers that gets, you know, gets a bad hoof or has a, you know, starting a lung and, and cough, I'm going to treat it with penicillin. And I'm just going to go to a couple of my customers and say, it's been four months. Don't worry about it. I'm not against those things, but I did sell it. And my customers, because I knew them, trusted me. And I'm sure that's what you got going on. So what's that like? Well, the fact that we use antibiotics and hormones, considering almost every shrimp that we normally eat is loaded with antibiotics and hormones. Because and you don't, and you and your customers, you're willing to say, "I'll walk you right in this barn and show them to you," because you are right. Yeah, we well, we actually when we first started, there were we didn't know the rules or regulations, and so we called the USDA and the FDA in to inspect us. And the first guy that came in, he's like, "Well, where's your antibiotics and hormones?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" I said, we don't use it. He did not believe me that we did not use them because almost all the shrimp that we do eat is loaded with some form of antibiotics or hormones. Yeah. But the sad part is, and this is what grossed me out, I don't eat shrimp out. I love shrimp, but I don't eat it out anymore because a lot of the antibiotics and hormones they use are banned for use in the U.S., but we're getting it in our food. Yeah, so you're saying that the the more, shall we say, verging on third world countries that are producing, uh, or, or and they're really not, they're developing countries in many cases, they uh, are using products that we can't even use anymore. And then there's the issue of if you're a, if you're trying to make shrimp and you're living in, uh, you know, Ecuador, you're going to do whatever you can to get as many shrimp out of that pond as possible. And it's usually outdoors. Um, you've got a different situation. How do you keep yours from being diseased? Is it stocking density? Um, it could be stocking density, but it can also be just our water quality. Um, like I said, we, we do nine tests on our water every single day okay. to make sure that our water quality is up to the shrimp standards. And Got so it. that's one of the things. And like I said, I mean, I've gotten to travel to several countries now, get to see how shrimp is raised in other countries. I've been into China, I've been to Vietnam. And both of those, it was really eye-opener on how I saw some of the shrimp was raised. And the companies that we work with in these countries, we've actually had to find food that did not contain antibiotics or hormones for them. So, because I mean, Tell I me, Speaking of food, uh, you go out there with a scoop and just flail it into the, to the tank, or what's it like? Well, we do hand feed them. Um, we hand feed them three times a day. Um, they are fed a... Uh, 
pelleted food that's 35% protein. And we do hand feed them um, because I love automatic feeders, but I own 26 of them and none of them work. <laughs> the little spring in them, the salt air corrodes it. And so either food gets left on the belt feeder and they don't get fed. So we just hand feed them. Okay. And then uh, you told me 150 days till they get done. And then you're selling 20 to a pound roughly is what it is. What do you sell a pound of shrimp for? If I came to your door uh, at RDM Aquaculture, how much would I pay for a pound of shrimp or a 20 pack, uh, 20 to a pound? Yeah. Pound. $18 a pound. $18 for a pound. And you can verify its safety and you can show me where they're raised. Uh, you got to clean them. You got to butcher them. You chop their heads off. How's that happen? No, that's the best part. There is no processing to our shrimp. Most people don't know. You want to cook a shrimp with its head on. Adds the most beautiful flavor into a meat. You never know. Nine out of ten of my customers love to eat the head. I have no desire to ever eat the head, but I always cook it with the head. There's no debating our shrimp. There's nothing in it but salt and protein. Um, the shells are super thin. They're not what we're used to because a shrimp develops a thick shell as protection. They don't need it inside of our tanks. So the shells are very thin, and it's just easier to eat them than it is to peel them. Okay, so I come and get a pound of your shrimp. You, you're, it's, it's in a bag of ice, or how is it? Actually, we use biodegradable containers, um, and then we do pack ice in with them to keep them chilled. And the ice pack will last up to five hours. Okay, then I drive back to my place, and then I'm supposed to take them out of there and then just throw them into boiling water for a couple minutes. Is that what you recommend? Correct. We actually have a better recipe than that, but basically, yeah. What's your recipe? My recipe for boiling shrimp is you bring your water to a full boil first, then add the seasoning, then drop the shrimp in, remove it from the heat, let it set for 15 minutes. Every shrimp will come out perfectly cooked. So you're, you remove them from the heat almost as soon as you drop them in? Yep. And then you put a lid on it, let it set for 15 minutes, and then drop them into an ice bath to help the shells come off easier. And then you peel off the stuff and then boom, you eat them. Eat them away. All right, you've got a, by the way, her name is uh, Carlena Brown, her and her husband, Daryl, RDM Aquaculture, RDM Shrimp website, by the way, is? RDMShrimp.com. And then you've got another thing that maybe you're going to come back and tell them about another time. If someone wants to get into the shrimp production business, you will let them hire you to be a consultant because you got burned by a consultant and you said we can do it better. So you actually have as a side business hiring yourself out to teach other people how to be shrimp farmers, right? Correct. And we also have a system that's available, which is way cheaper than what we paid to get into it. So uh, most people can do an eight tank system with everything they're going to need, including consulting, testing equipment, everything for about $100,000 minus their building. So you could then, and how much are they going to pay you to get them up and running? A few thousand bucks? My consulting fee is a flat fee of 15000 okay. And it's for one year of consulting. We work with you every single day for the first year. So for $15,000 for you, you'll be on call and available to make them get this figured out for the whole year, which I think is a steal of a deal. It's a bargain. And then you can get them up and running for hundred grand plus the other building. And then they got to figure out a way to heat the building and and now that's, that's what we we work with them on the heat side of it um like i said we use radiant heat so you can use geothermal windmills solar um gas natural gas lp gas wood stove pellet stoves so there's how, many, of how many how many people carlina have you helped get up and running 
We have set up a total of 50 farms across the U.S. There are 30 that are still up and running, and we have set up 14 internationally. That is fantastic. All 14 of them are still running, and our first one is going to be in Africa here within the next six months. Good for you. Why did the 20 out of the 50 not run anymore? They didn't want to do the work. They just weren't good at it. Most of them didn't want to do the work, and four of them we actually told to get out of the business. Um, because if, if they're going to take shortcuts and not sell good shrimp, it not hurts just their business, it hurts mine as well. Fantastic. Well, well I really, really appreciate you being on here. Uh, before I can wrap this podcast up, I want to remind you that this was this is free to you. You can go on YouTube and watch it. You can listen to it on your favorite format. And that's because my good friend Nick Horum, who founded Harvest Profit, is my sponsor reading this because I want to make sure I get this right. Harvest Profit, if you want to make your ag enterprise more profitable, that's the place to turn. If you're interested in more visibility into your cost of production, you can do this field by field or even down to landlord by landlord. He's got software to make your whole system more efficient. You'll understand profitability by field, by farm, by township, by landlord. You're going to look at all your accounting, all your numbers. You know what? Agriculture is a business. If you're a business person, you're serious about it, get the right software, harvestprofit.com. Her name's Carlena Brown. Thank you for being my guest, RDM Aquaculture. Check them out. If you happen to be passing through Indiana, stop in and buy some shrimp. If they want to stop, if I want to come when I'm back there this summer, are you open every day? We're open Monday through, or excuse me, Tuesday through Friday, um, 10 until 5, and Saturdays 10 until 2. Fantastic. Thank and you very much. Cheers. And she's always available for tours. And maybe you can get into the shrimp business. Sounds like you've got the know-how. Thanks for being on here. No problem. Thank you. You bet. Till next time, it's the business of agriculture. If you've enjoyed this episode of the business of agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, food fear, or do business better, go to DamienMason.com.